listening to Rashkin Report. You're listening to 91.7 FM, The Edge, WSUW in Whitewater, Wisconsin. This is Rashkin Report, and I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin. Joining me today is Professor of European University in St. Petersburg, Russia, Professor Ivan Kurila. Professor, welcome to the program. Hi. Professor, you know, I, th I think that the, the big challenge for people who are paying attention to Russia, which at this point all of a sudden is a lot of people in the United States, is trying to figure out uh, what what is going on. What is the nature of the uh, Russia-American relationship? This is your specialty. This is your area of expertise. And, and so maybe you can explain to folks because... Our, uh, Ru Russia seemed to have been very influential in our elections, but then uh, now uh, Putin says that the relationship is as bad as it's ever been. Um, what, what is going on? Yeah, I, I have no comments about the claims that Russia somehow influenced American elections. It's maybe true, maybe not. I, I will say this is something which probably your special services should investigate. And, you know, when they come out with some definite uh, you know, proofs, it will be interesting to, to say. But even without uh, speculations uh, or in, uh, towards uh, this influence of, of, of Russia in American elections, it was certain that Russian uh, elites and not only Russian elites, but majority of the Russians were uh, uh, very glad that uh, Americans elected uh, Donald Trump to be um, to be the president. Uh, this is uh, Russian-American relations by the end of the President Obama administration uh, became so sad and so sore that uh, Russians, uh, you know, Russians, uh, in fact, in the middle of the last fall. Uh, we were expected something like a major war between Russia and the United States. So the uh, election of Donald Trump at least let people forget about the possibility of the major war between two, you know, two, two countries. And this already was a good result of the of the American elections. And then uh, that was an expectation that uh, Donald Trump will remove uh, some of the obstacles in the bilateral relations. Okay, the uh, maximum program included probably from Russia's point of view the removal of all the sanctions uh, imposed uh, upon Russia. Uh, well, more moderate people thought that probably sanctions will persist, but at least some. Okay, some of the sanctions will persist, but but at least some you know uh, easiness or some uh, portion of those sanctions will be uh, you know, frozen or. Uh, abandon it, and and, and and Russian American relations will steadily getting back in track on track, and, and steadily Russia and the United States will uh, will stop to see each other as, a, uh, as adversary. So that was a uh, hopes in, in in Russia in Russian Federation, and I think that uh, for President Trump, at least uh, what what he was talking, what, what what he was repeating during the campaign, and even. After he became a you know, president-elect, uh, also the Russia did not represent the major uh, threat. Uh, unlike for the, you know, for for many for much of the American public, Russia was not uh, the major threat. He uh, tried to describe the you know the world system in some different uh, terms, uh, pointing out to. 
to, to other threats, including China at that point. And that, so he, uh, he tried to say that, okay, look, look, Russia is maybe not a good country, but Russia is not a real, a real threat to, 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 the, to the United States. And that was, that's why I think that since uh, Donald Trump uh, occupied uh, White House, uh, he and his advisors were preparing some type of the, uh, you know, s- s- offer, some type of a suggestion to the Russia, to Russia, to make uh, things, uh, you know, if not bad to normalcy, but uh, some type of a bargain, some type of a deal that could be uh, uh, could be accept, uh, acceptable for both countries. So that was a, uh, and I, I am sure that from the Russian side, uh, the expectation were similar. Uh, Russia also was ready for uh, some kind of a deal. But when a week ago, uh, more than a little bit more than a week ago, uh, that Syrian chemical attack uh, happened, gas attack. It. And then when uh, Donald Trump reacted with uh, this cruise missile uh, firing on the Syrian airbase, at that point, uh, many people, especially you know, the media, world media and Russian media, reacted very severely. And they reacted that, okay, there is no deal anymore possible, that Russia is backing Bashar Assad, who is uh, you know, using chemical weapons. That uh, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson himself uh, produced some kind of you know ultimatum to, to Russia, saying that okay, Russia should Russia should that shouldn't do something. So it was a you know several days uh, were very uh, very harsh in this point of view. But from my point of view, even during that uh, intermediate that, that time from last Friday to this Wednesday. I was still sure that uh, all of this rhetoric will not influence the essence of the talks. We don't know what were behind the closed doors and on Wednesday, what happened there. We know that uh, Secretary of State Tillerson and Russian Minister of Foreign Affairs Lavrov did, uh, you know, did talk for a long time, that they met uh, President Putin. And the very uh, you know, fact that President Putin decided to meet uh, Rex Tillerson, uh, well, means something because on the eve of the meeting, uh, you know, Putin and his uh, press secretary did not, uh, uh, you know, we are not sure that the, that will um, that will happen. So it means that uh, they actually agreed upon something, but we don't know what they agreed. And I think, I'm afraid that we will uh, don't know what they agreed upon for a long, quite a long time. We know that people in Kremlin are notorious for their secrecy. And we know that people, Rex Tillerson, as a person from a big business, uh, you know, they probably never uh, talk publicly what they have uh, about their deals or their bargains if they made it. And uh, as we see now, uh, Rex Tillerson did not actually uh, discover it. Everything they uh, decided or what they said. You know, as as uh, a professional in the field, what do you feel that the deal could be about? Uh, well, and I don't want to guess. I don't want to guess. I, I think that, well, yeah, we, we, we know several uh, hot topics. We know that there may be sanctions, but I'm, not, I'm sure that the sanctions were not there, uh, not solved at this point. Uh, I think they could uh, decide upon some future meeting between President Putin and President uh, Trump. They probably were kind of discussing the logistics. You know, 
logistics and the timing and, you know, dependent of the American uh, media agenda because, okay, you know, that uh, President Trump is under attack for his presumably you know, Russian ties and this is also may influence uh, the timing. But, well, I, I think that this is, they were discussing that. They probably were discussing the easier, uh, relatively easier points uh, that can be made as a step to, towards each other. I, I can guess, I, I'm not sure, but I can guess that from the Russian side it could be I don't know, the child adoption, for instance, a law which were, you know, the ban on the uh, American adoption of Russian children. Or maybe they can discuss the uh, fate of the several uh, Russian citizens who are now imprisoned in America, like Victor Booth, whoever. That can be also, you know, solved as a, as a some symbolic gesture. If, if there is something more uh, important on stake, that can be, can be easily solved. Uh, of course, they discussed Syria. They could not escape it. But I, I'm not sure they decided upon something. But they they discuss, discuss it, and we, you, we will see. Syria should be uh, on the you know on the um, radar uh, all the time. So they should say something about that. I also would say that uh, this is inter- uh, what is interesting that some of the coincidences, uh, like. Uh, with with this visit and the end of the visit, you know that uh, uh, Americans, uh, the United States, uh, sent you know they used uh, for the first time under President Trump, America used its uh, military abroad uh, in Syria just you know several days before the meeting. At almost uh, immediately, uh, the United States sent the navy to Korean Peninsula and just. Uh, this day we we've heard the news about the uh, using of the huge bomb in Afghanistan. So it looks like President uh, Trump is now, you know, getting much more of the military uh, use of, of of American power abroad in in different regions of the world. And at the same time, we see how uh, Russian government, uh, you know, uh, R- R- Russian uh, development and domestic politics after the Rex Tiller- after Rex Tillerson uh, left uh, Moscow, and we today we've read several uh, reports about the arrests among the opposition figures and among people who participated in the anti-government me- meetings. And this is, you know, p- many people in Russia also link this arrest with the. Uh, um, with the end of the talks between uh, Lavrov and Putin and uh, Tillerson, on the other hand. So it looks like uh, Russian government were awaiting till the American Secretary of State will leave country, and uh, then they started this uh, well, uh, harsh campaign against the position. Um, you're listening to WSGW 91.7 FM, The Edge in Whitewater, Wisconsin. This is Rashkin Report. I'm your host, Yuri Rashkin. My guest today is Professor of European University, St. Petersburg, uh, Professor Ivan Kurila. Um, uh, you know, before we shift to the opposition leaders and uh, the new arrests, I guess I would like to just to kind of summarize, get bottom line feel. Do you feel that, and it's kind of an odd question, question i realize because uh russia does not is not used to feeling at the center of the unit you know like the, the control you know it's been a since cold war it's been about the united states but do you feel that at this point uh the policy foreign policy of the united states is independent of russian influence or is it under russian influence 
I don't believe that the foreign policy of the United States was ever under Russian influence in terms of Russia, you know, uh, of Russian interference or Russian controlling anybody in American government. It's more, mm-hmm. it sounded, still sounded like a conspiracy theory. But uh, if we look like in a broader context, uh, American policy, uh, American foreign and sometimes even domestic policy uh, was uh, under the influence of its own anti-Russian uh, rhetoric. I would say, as well as Russian uh, domestic or foreign policy was much influenced by its own uh, construction of the United States as an enemy. You know, if you construct, if uh, the society media is full of the image of, of Russia as a you know evil country, as a demonic uh, power that can influence everything in the United States, it already influences the uh, behavior, the political behavior of the president. And even if all of that is not true, it is already it, it is influencing. It is influencing because. Uh, the president is trying to clear himself of, uh, of all the accusations, and so he behaved uh, as he wanted to clear. So, so this perception is reality, and, and here we perception go. Is reality. From a constructivist point of view, perception is reality. And perception is a part of policy, policy and part of the politics. And, and on the Russian side, it was, it was uh, clear uh, you know, long, long ago, well, long time ago, when uh, Russian government started the campaign of uh, anti-opposition uh, campaign in 2012, it, they also used the United States as a demonic other, as some country that uh, interfere into Russian affairs, and they uh, described all of their position as, uh, you know, playing the American uh, card. And that's, uh, well, what happens in America now, strangely for me, but it's very, it's remind me very much this, uh, this game of, of uh, domestic politics using the foreign uh, demonic other as a, a justification for for uh, for fight against the opposition. Well, as well as the increased ratings for the leader who uh, engages in military activity outside of the country. That seems to work well for Mr. Putin. That seems to work so far very well for President Trump. Yes, I agree. And this is this is actually uh, can be used as a proof of my previous uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, Professor, the, as, as you mentioned, Secretary Tillerson left and uh, more repression seems to have gotten underway. Uh, Mr. Martsev, who is uh, pr- practically unknown to anybody who doesn't speak English, uh, I'm sorry, Russian, but on the other hand, uh, uh, in Russian, he managed to build quite a following on YouTube. Uh, he's uh, been elected to some local offices. He is uh, planning, I believe, a revolution uh, in November. Um, and uh, he's been kind of strangely allowed to roam the country, basically, and, and do his thing. Uh, even he participated in, in the Duma parliament elections a few months ago. But now Secretary Tillerson left and uh, Mr. Maltsev has been arrested. He broadcasted all over uh, the Internet through his uh, broadcast on Periscope. Um, very powerful footage. Um, how do you feel about the, the, the situation in Russia as far as the repressions and... Uh, um, the the freedom of expression for anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mr. Maltsev uh, had a, well, some, from my point of view, some strange political views, but he's popular, and he was. That's why he uh, was included in the leading group of leading uh, part of the uh, election uh, list of Parnas Party, opposition party in Parnas in the last September. So he uh, he became. 
since that time he became famous for not only for the youth who probably knew him before for the youth people who uh, was subscribed to his youtube channel but uh, for for other people in russia as well he is uh, eloquent he speaks well, he is I, from my point of view he is a populist and he's like a national national least leaning populist and he's popular but uh, well notwithstanding all his political views he is he was popular uh, opposition figure and he was arrested not only here today we've heard about uh, at least 10 people being arrested at the same day uh, 10 people who participated in the uh, March uh, 26 uh, demonstrations in, throughout Russia and and uh, many people in Russia are now asking questions is it the beginning of a new wave of some repressions against opposition or is it, uh, I don't know some aberration and people are actually quite afraid of of, of, of the new Balotna uh, case like it was it happened in 2012 when several randomly chosen people were uh, sent to prison for you know a couple of years each and that was a uh, th th that is a uh, strange thing. But on the other hand, the whole situation in, in Russia is a bit different than it was compared to than it was in 2012 at the beginning of the Balotna uh, case. At that time, the protest of the winter of 2011-2012 was already seizing and uh, fading. Now it looks like the society is starting to uh, you know, starting to brew, starting to uh, to, to get uh, more and more involved. And even before this March 26 uh, protests that were called uh, by, you know, by opposition leader Navalny, uh, even before that, uh, people in, in, in Russia, people in many cities of Russia felt uh, like eager to, to change something, to start some changes. In my city of St. Petersburg, there were several uh, significant meetings uh, protesting against uh, some, you know, uh, bad policies in, in the sphere of the culture management and the educational management, like, you know, uh, the biggest, uh, well, there, there are several cases with St. Asia Cathedral that was uh, due to, 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 to be returned to the Orthodox Church and the Pulkova Observatory, the uh, Space Research Center, and, and some of the... So uh, several, well, several state and city assets that are being turned over either to the church yeah, or to other... To church or to some central, uh, uh, from from independent uh, facility, uh, independent institutions we were turned into some branches of Moscow, like it, it happened with the public library, which was one of the oldest in, in Russia, and uh, it was claimed that now it will be just a branch of Moscow uh, State Library. And that also also alienated many intelligentsia in St. Petersburg who are protested publicly in demonstrations and meetings on the street. So it was so uh, many things uh, getting together uh, produced a feeling that uh, Russian society again is starting to move. We don't know where to move, but it's something something like uh, the, the uh, period of stability is over. And uh, that's actually made the whole situation probably nervous for the state. And 
that we don't know what the reaction for the today's arrest and the probably continuation of the repressions will be in, in the society. This is it, not it the. Is, it, it is really interesting to watch because having been observing Russian media for for a few years, um, it, it really went from the response of people when they're saying, you know what, yes, we could go out in the streets but it's dangerous, it's going to be bad, it's going to have all these negative consequences, why do this? And now I'm hearing more and more people saying, you know what, I'm just sick of it. I, yes. I can't do this anymore. On, on March 26, in many cities, the meetings were not, uh, uh, you know, not permitted, and people still in thousands went to the streets. Right. So the whole, the whole idea that okay, you, we will not sanction the meeting, so we will not, you will not come, bro, has been broken. The people now ready to go even without uh, sanction for the meeting, and this is actually the new situation. I don't know how mass it, but it's yeah. We see many people. We saw many people in March, and this is something changing. The mind changes for for the watchers, for those those who just watch it. Professor, you yourself are a professor of European University, a small elite school in Saint Petersburg that's been under quite a bit of pressure recently. Uh, where what is the status of your school at this point? Uh, yes, uh, European University at St. Petersburg is now uh, well, under several uh, cases and the court cases uh, initiated by uh, different uh, authorities, uh, different type of, of, of authorities from, you know, now uh, we, we, we got uh, uh, some extraordinary checks from, I think, everybody who could make the, such a checks, like from fire department to, uh, to tax officers. Right now, we, we have uh, two major cases in courts, one initiated by the Ros Obernadzor, it's a Russian, uh, Russian censorship? state agency, uh, no, Russian state agency that uh, uh, exercises the license, li licensing of the education. You know, okay. they, they prove it. It's a bureaucratic structure which actually found uh, some strange, uh, you know, uh, strange things in our teaching, uh, saying that we don't have. Well, they, you know, all of this Rosobernazor thing get very, uh, very much bureaucratized over uh, recent years, and they demand, they demand sometimes, from my point of view, just stupid. Sorry, and this is, uh, and some of the demands we, the European University did not meet. Like, you know, they demanded that. Um, the Department of Political Science in, in European University does not have enough so-called practical political scientists. We don't know what is practical political. They needed somebody who is not teaching, who is political scientist, but does but is not a professor, which is strange. And we, we have two probably the best, uh, arguably the best uh, political scientists in Russia working, teaching at, at my department, Professor Vladimir Gelman and Professor uh, Grigory Golosov. But we don't have so so called practical, you know, преподаватели практики in Russian, practical professors. And that usually, uh, and what, that, is, that, what is the political sure, science and practical in Russia? That's like. The term was probably invented for the engineering education, and they needed somebody who is a real engineer. And this oh. is at least understandable. But in the political science, nobody understands what do they mean. Do they need the real politicians to teach? But this is a different story. But okay. So that was a, one of the uh, problem uh, that Rosso Bernazor had with us. And, um, uh, and they decided that they should revoke, uh, stop our license. 
and we are still in the process of uh, of, of you know court. Uh, the, the story is still in the court for several months already. It's prolonged, prolonged longer, but we are still feel not not you know, feel a bit vulnerable because we don't uh, go, got a decision in our case and in our, in our favor. And the second uh, court case, which is still there, is. Um, uh, just unexpected uh, requirement demand from the city authorities st petersburg city authorities to vacate the building uh, we uh, we are situated the european university situated is situated in a uh, small marmor palace and the uh, building was uh, like given to european university in 1994, when it was founded by that time Mayor uh, Anatoly Sapchak and other people who, who decided at the time to, to organize such a, such a uh, university. And uh, the university was uh, actually preparing for the major renovation of the building. And uh, we've got all of the agreement with the same city authorities, uh, agreement to renovate, to change a lot of uh, interior uh, of the building. And the uh, European University invited one of the best architects in, in uh, Francois Villemot from France, the guy who uh, made the uh, Louvre and uh, Museum d'Arcé, and he, he actually prepared the plan for renovating our, our building. And at that point, the city authorities came to us and said that they found uh, some wrongly uh, renovated uh, window in the yard side of the building. And for that reason, uh, they uh, stop uh, the agreement and, and, and uh, want us to leave the building immediately. And this is the second case. Because of this second case, there are many rumors that uh, the whole situation, including Rosobranadzor, was initiated by somebody who wants the building, who wants the marmor palace and for their, their property. But we don't have proofs. We don't know who exactly stays behind all of that text. If somebody, if some one organization would uh, come to for us, we'll probably see, okay, maybe we're doing something wrong. But when like uh, 15 organizations appear at the same time, it's clear that somebody wanted us to to leave the building or to to stop it to exist and we are fighting but we do not know who, who are responsible for this attacks we uh, well we are in a hard situation but we entertain hopes that we will survive and uh, we have reasons to, to believe that we will survive but we are, at this point we are still in a very uh, well uneasy situation if you're looking at this and, and you see that there is a political component to it, how do you win a political battle in in, in Russia today when, if, if there's political interest that there may be against the university? And also, how has uh, visibility that's been generated about this whole process, because there's been stories written, um, programs made about uh, European University and the struggles that it's currently facing. Uh, Rosobronadzor, has it uh, been affected by the publicity and visibility? Has it been a good thing or has it created more troubles? Well, first, uh, I don't know if, if there is any political uh, component in all of that because, well, uh, nobody claims the responsibility, so we don't know who are behind that. 
There is now all of the uh, problems we have are like technical ones. We know that in Russia it may means that there is uh, some political or there, there there is no some political issue behind it. But we have uh, you know uh, the university have like friends uh, in 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 the city in the country leadership. We have members of our uh, trustees who are like people like Alexei Kudrin or Mikhail Piotrovsky, pretty influential people. And we have uh, our professors being members of the uh, public councils in the ministries. And even my, our rector, Alek Harkhordin, is a member of presidential council on, on, on the science and education. And this is, you know, th that means that, well, this is a strange situation. At the same time, the university is a hub for some of the part of the reformist at least group of the government and at the same time it's under attack so maybe it's uh, maybe it's connected but i don't i don't want to guess about that where is there a political uh, something political behind it? we are reacting to what we have and we have like technical requirements for sure. also what about the visibility well, about the visibility, we, you know, uh, as far as I understand, the first uh, during the first stage of the attack, uh, the university uh, or leadership probably tried to solve the problem just on, by bureaucratic means. Okay, and they, but uh, it did not work. We have a continuation. At this point, we have a pretty big campaign, and people are expressing their concerns, expressing their support to European University. People, both in Russia and outside of Russia, colleagues, scholars, uh, educational uh, establishments, universities, uh, NGOs, uh, you know, personal, private people. So we have a pretty big campaign supporting us. So this is a visible, and I'm sure that it's not quite uh, comfortable for Rosso Brunazor to see it. And we also hope that if if some, uh, you know, somebody wants our property, that's also be, maybe not as, um, you know, comfortable for them to take the property after, in, in such a situation, because everybody will, if we lose the uh, Marmor Palace, Everybody will see who will get it after us, and that will be the major, you know, major. Uh, so the, the property can be poisoning for 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 somebody. We hope for that, but we don't know if it if it really will if it will really work. It's it seems ironic because uh, Peter the Great uh, created a window for Russia to Europe, and now Russia is closing European University because of a window. Okay, Russia, Russia has not closed European University. We still hope we have a big support from Russia. It's, okay, is attacking European <laughs> University. In Russia, who wants to? And I, okay. I hope, and we all hope that those who want to, to close our university are not will not succeed because we have a support from the other part of Russia. I think from the better part of Russia, and this better part of Russia will you know take over. This is our hope. Professor of European University in St. Petersburg, uh, the, uh, Ivan, Professor Ivan Kurila, thank you so much for being on Rashkin Report, and best of luck to you. Thank you, Yuri. Okay. You're listening to Rashkin Report.